Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy New Year! New Year. <laughs> wow, New Year's Ernest's Bonanza starts now. I'm sensing um, hesitation. No, I have to say no. I'm like we normally when we record these, it's like I have memories of doing these Ernest's Bonanzas, and it's like dark and we're tired, or maybe we it's after work. I have to say right now it is 11:45 on literally December 31st, 11:35 <laughs> a.m. Not that would be crazy if we started recording with the intention no. of the year changing during our Ernest of Bonanza. <laughs> Honestly, that would be amazing. Um, but I guess I'm I'm not I'm not hesitant. I feel yeah. I guess it's weird that it's the morning. It's kind of and I like fully got a good night's sleep last night. I've been yeah. being. I'm caffeinated. I'm like I'm caffeinated and still have half a coffee in this gorgeous oh, cup that be, I got from my local cafeteria. I'm going to be popping off very Same. shortly from this large hot coffee. Mm. <laughs> Can I ask you something? What? Sorry to be this person, but what kind of milk do you put in your coffee? You know, not to be like right wing, but I do whole milk. Me too. And, <laughs> and again, I'm sure everyone has, I'm sure people have talked about this. I'm not original. But do you not hate it? This happened to me earlier. Do you not hate it when you say whole milk and they're like, oat? And you're like, <laughs> you know, no. thank you for bringing this up. No, not oat. Whole. They'll be like whole. And then, and, and then, and then I feel really Republican. Right. Like, exactly. Like, no, I want, give me the, the, 
the milk for a real guy. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> I get even more pissed and I'm like, just regular. <laughs> Normal. Do I need to spell it out? For and you? Then, or like, then just like the humiliation of saying the word whole, like of um, enunciating the word whole, like having to be like <laughs> whole, whole milk. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say, um, and listen, I don't come, I understand. I try, I genuinely try to like not eat a lot of dairy and meat. I only eat meat when I go out, whatever. We can't get into this. My point is I'm not saying like, oh, everyone is like a cuck for liking oat milk. And I understand it. I'm just saying, I'm sorry, but in my coffee, add up how much milk I'm putting in my coffee over my entire lifetime. It is not that big of a deal. I, yeah, I do. Yeah, I I do not enjoy the flavor of oat milk. I feel like it's too sweet. It adds a different layer that I don't necessarily like. Yeah, I, I, oh God, people are like turning this off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm but but I agree. Not only do I agree, but I'm also like literally what, who decide? Like none of them taste comparable. Like you can't trick me because it looks similar. You can't trick me because it's a white liquid. It's a different liquid. It's, it's literally just simply different. a different liquid. Yeah, I, and, and that's I okay. Actually, and I say that as someone who, who I like vegan food a lot. I often get like the vegetarian option. Like I like meat substitutes. I'll eat an impossible burger. I love tofu. I love tempeh. Like I don't mind substitutes, but don't, what's the word? What Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> yeah, that's the phrase you got Is it? There. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just like uh, offensive. Yeah. And it's just, it's condescending. It's con honest. Yeah, it's con it really is. It's condescending. And honestly, I would go so far as to say it literally like feeds into harmful stereotypes about liberals. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that's like kind of where the disconnect is, where it's like, yeah, you're making the choice to have a different drink and that's beautiful, but don't be like, have this drink. It's the exact same. Yes. Cause then it's 100%. like, well, you can't agree with that. And then, and that's where the cultural divide begins. Yes, you're absolutely. Well, yes, because then the person who is not likely to take that leap, maybe takes it, is tricked into taking it. And then is like, oh, I saw I'm being lied to. Yeah. Oh, so I don't like it. Now I don't trust the government. Now I don't trust doctors. Now I. Right. And next thing you know, you have QAnon. <laughs> there you go. That's literally yeah. how I was born. God, what a fucking disaster. You know, I'll say as a postscript to this conversation, you know what I do love? An what? iced matcha latte with almond milk. <laughs> but that's a different drink. So if anyone doubted George's politics, <laughs> listen to that right there. Yeah, that's a very different. Yeah, that's the sound bite you want. Gotcha media. You know, they're going to you know, they're going to take the one where I say I want whole milk and not the one where I say I like an iced matcha latte with all uh, just milk. just goes to show you how messed up media is. It's so fucked up. That is so classic. I'm literally Jeremy Strong. You're literally Jeremy Strong, except in this case, we have nothing but respect for our huge supporters over at Vulture, and we have nothing but respect to Time Magazine. Time Magazine, especially, <laughs> and and I don't know if we we haven't like uh, we haven't opened up about this, but we're actually in print in Time Magazine, which. And we also have not opened up about the fact that the person on the cover of the Time magazine in which we are in print is Elon Musk. That's right. Which is, okay, first of all, obviously that's, well, okay. This is, uh, whatever, this is going to sound annoying, but I'm going to say it anyway. So when when we did, when Gawker launched and we did a little, there was like a little blurb about us in New York magazine, it was, the cover was Andrew Cuomo. It was like, it was the one where, the, the photo is like someone taking off a portrait of his from a wall because it was like right after he stopped, um, you know, right after he left. And so 
<laughs> the two magazines, print magazines that I've been featured in this year, one had Andrew Cuomo on the cover and one had Elon Musk, which I do think is incredible. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely going to be pulling that to, to build the case that you are, in fact, a Republican. I know. I mean, that and it's like whole milk drinker George Severus howling <laughs> around with the 1%. Yeah. Hey, I love it. I'm trying to think I have such an aversion not to go back to the drinks conversation. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I have to go back I, just because I feel like there's still some stuff that's been uh, not uncovered. Mm. And I feel like I have an aversion to lattes and not for the political thing, but because mm -hmm. like my whole thing is like walking into a coffee shop and being like, no, 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 don't do work for me. Like I'm just a girl that can't make coffee. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I'm like, you and I were equals. Like you just have that coffee behind there. Like, and I need it. So don't, don't use the foamer. Don't, don't fucking right, make right, art right. for me. Like I'm just, I'm normal. I swear to God. And here's my one exception to that. And let me know if you mm -hmm. agree is that in the summer, because the cold brew is too much for me, I will start shitting on the spot in the coffee shop. In fact, um, I get an iced Americano. Wow. And which is the easiest possible espresso drink you can ask for. I mean, it's just espresso and water. Sure. But that is my one. And I used to, I used to be a latte girl. I used to be an Americano girl, like a, a, a hot American, but there's something about, I'm just like, wait, what I like is drip coffee. It's good. It's good. It's and also, especially if you go to like, you know, the fancy coffee shops around here, I mean, they're brewing beans that are from, you know, a roof garden in Spain. There's a lot to love about some local Brooklyn mm -hmm. coffee. Okay. So I guess it's the holiday Ernest's Bonanza. Yeah. Um, I remember one, when we did the first one ever, people got, not one, not people, one person got mad at us saying, um, I love to listen to a 25 minute intro about something I'm about to hear, but I think. Wow. I really haven't forgotten. <laughs> well, I actually thought it was kind of funny because yeah. I, listening to the episode, I was like, wow, this is an insane intro. Very can't be tamed vibes. But for those listening who maybe don't know what this is to ring in the new year, we're going to answer questions and be as earnest earnest as is humanly possible. Yeah. It's our call-in. It's our sem. I would say biannual call-in show. Usually we'll do two a year. Yeah. The main question that this episode brings up, which I think we've, we've proven the answer to be no, but the question still remains, is it boring? Right. I, here's, yeah, well, <laughs> we often do think it's boring. The two of us do. And then we will hear from people more so than most other episodes, people reach out and say, oh, I, I like the earnestness bonanza. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And in a way where I'm like, but don't you like it when we're like sort of screaming at our friend Max Wittert or like. Right. Or also, don't like, you like it when we're doing our job of being improvisational comedians? <laughs> like being funny. And they're like, yeah. and they're like, no, we want to hear about like just like normal stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we have a toxic fan base. We do have a toxic fan base because they're all closet normal. <laughs> um it's disgusting we're, do you think we're kind of like um in the same way that people say like i don't know some uh, edgelord podcaster is like a gateway to QAnon. we're like a gateway into being normal <laughs> yeah we're it's like, like a gateway that to are, live laugh love it's literally like people that are alt listen to our podcast and then it like opens the doors for them eventually being normal. <laughs> yeah. They're like, listen to this podcast and they're like, damn, I'm going to move upstate and buy like a nice home. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That sounds so nice. <laughs> I know. Oh, don't I know it? Um, 
but it's the new year 2022 in theory for you guys listening yeah. to this for us it's um, exactly at this point um 12 hours away yeah so you know if something happens between december 31st and uh january 4th ish uh just know that we had no idea and that every you know all the happy new years we're saying you know mm-hmm. they were sort of naive yeah some sort of horrific incident happens in the next four days we're sorry also again just apologies once again for recording the sex in the city episode before the stand-up the sex in the city straight lab episode before the stand-up comedy episode of sex in the city and also for recording the new year's eve episode before omicron <laughs> we really have not had the best timing recently no but you know life moves fast mm-hmm. but i guess let's get into it and yeah, before we it. do i want to say earnestness blast Aww. george i'm so happy to be doing this podcast with you i think we've really had a great second season i'm so happy that uh we have found this tone that is funny and sincere and hits something ironic, but also not. And I think it's very cool and different and um, fun. Well, Sam, I really, it's every day I, I, um, I love you more and I'm just, <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, it, it is crazy to me. And I was thinking about this. I've never re-listened to any of the old episodes, but I do vaguely remember like a running joke being that we are not close friends. <laughs> yeah. We were, and, we address each other as coworkers. Yeah. Well, you're right, right. I, I just like the idea that that was ever even, uh, there was ever even a hint of truth to that is crazy to me at this point. And I mean, there's no one I, you know, I, you're, you're the go-to person for if I have something I want to kind of get a gut check on, whether it's an opinion or kind of a personality change that I'm working on. <laughs> um, it is genuinely, I would say, one of the most uh, rewarding relationships of my life. That's very sweet. Wow. And I, I, feel I really mean that. Way. Um, Damn. Yeah. It's, I, I really am. I'm, I feel very blessed and very lucky that, that we get to do this together and that we have this exact relationship. That's like that where we, you know, we get so much out of it and it, the work stuff doesn't make the friendship any less profound and the friendship doesn't make the work any more annoying and, 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 and whatever else. And I, I, I really, yeah, that's all. Damn. That's very sweet. Love you, Georgie. Love you. And and I also <laughs> want to say, um, just I I don't want to be, you know, jerking each other off too much. But I do think that, like, you know, a little over a year ago, we were trying to sell this podcast and having very little luck. And since then, we have on our own, like more than doubled our listenership and and are in the print issue of Time Magazine with Elon Musk on the cover with not just no help, but I would say actively, (laughs) actively everyone around us trying to literally make it harder for us. And so I I think like, you know, we're both hard on ourselves and uh, I think we can get into cycles of self-loathing, but I I, I am proud of us for. Yeah, I'm proud of us too. It's very cool. It is. And, and, and that, just one tiny last thing oh, is I just, sure. and we'll, we'll get into this more, but I, I, we love our, everyone, not only who sent in, everyone who sent in questions, everyone who signed up for the Patreon, everyone who hasn't signed up and just listens to the free episode, everyone who DMs us or tweets every single time it, it feels like ex- extremely um, emotionally impactful <laughs> and it like makes me feel so warm inside and, and, and makes me very happy. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. We do deeply appreciate it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it.
Okay, okay question you wanna, one. Yeah, you, I'll you start. start. Okay. Okay, this is from Luke, uh, Midwest Glamour Girl here. I know you've talked about not knowing what level of irony people, which people are operating. But I also wonder when participating in culture, how much of the level of intellectualism in which people are engaging with things matters? For example, liking Drag Race because it was and arguably no longer is commenting on satirizing reality competitions versus liking Drag Race because it is a sleigh and camp and also yas. <laughs> I find that I have trouble when I find someone who shares an interest in something but engages with it in a completely different way. And then it's like, we're watching a completely different show. What do you guys think? This is such a great question. I think this question like gets the heart of what makes us tick, dare I say. <laughs> this is a tough one. Yeah. I, it's very complicated. I don't, I kind of um, try to think less about it. Like sometimes like ignore the way, the different ways people interact because yeah. it can like wrongly influence how you perceive things. Like, Take uh, take Lady Gaga, for example. I mean, why not? <laughs> oh, off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, let's see um, Lady Gaga. Like, so, and maybe it's because I'm a pretentious asshole, mm. but like, you know, I see like a basic gay appreciating Lady Gaga and I'm like, you know what? I see what you see too, <laughs> uh -huh. but I also feel like I'm interacting with Lady Gaga in like a different way that's like sort of stupider and sort of like thinking of her in a different context of like, I don't know. I don't I like sort of like as a cultural icon and just like watching the, like almost watching a movie in real time <laughs> and, <laughs> and like something about that is fun for me. But I also, I feel solidarity with <laughs> all little monsters out there. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's, I think Lady Gaga is a great example. I think Drag Race is a great example. I think this kind of also goes back to like our theory about how 60% Rotten Tomato movies are the best movies. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I think like basically what happens at the 60% mark is like it is the perfect blend of people engaging it with it earnestly. Basically the options are <laughs> liking something earnestly, liking something ironically, disliking something earnestly and disliking something ironically. And if you average out all of those, the perfect ratio is 60%. <laughs> And like, again, I don't know if this movie is actually 60%, but like Darren Aronofsky's mother to me, classic 60% movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you know what else is a 60% movie? I, around there, I, I don't know what the current thing is, is the new Matrix movie. Which I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet, but we're going to discuss it on our next Patreon movie app. But yes, that's like a classic example of a 60% movie from what I understand. Even I think the Matrix, especially the first one, is a is kind of a Lady Gaga example where it's like some people engage with it in like a, this is so fucking cool. Yes. And some people engage with it in like this is Wait. a trans allegory. And it's yes. like they talk about this in the new Matrix, which is mm -hmm. genius. And we'll talk about it more. <laughs> but I think like this question gets to like, like it is sometimes hard to like the Matrix when there's like bros out there being like, bro, you're you're red pilled, you're blue pilled. Right. But but the thing is, like, I guess I'm kind of like, I think this is like a, a symptom of the internet where we feel the need to like engage with something like that. It's like, yeah, I think it's okay. Not okay. I mean, obviously I would prefer it if there, if there weren't like alt-right incels <laughs> that like claim or whatever. I, but, but it's like, I can like the movie Fight Club, for instance, and also know that there are people that I don't know, use it as inspiration to like commit mass murder. <laughs> like, it's not like, obviously I don't love that, but like, I don't think, 
I think I trust my own gut enough and I trust my, or not gut, but like my own like intellectual, uh, you know, tools enough to be like, I'm liking this on my own terms and that's fine. I also think like, I feel like we agree on this, which is just like, there's no reason to assign a moral value to everything. Like it is actually yeah. like liberating to just like engage with something on like aesthetic terms to be like, this makes me feel good. Maybe I understand like 40% of why it makes me feel good. It's just like looking at a painting and you respond well to it. I don't have the language to describe why that's the case, but like, I know that I like Vox Lux. <laughs> yeah. So I think in general, don't dislike something just because someone you dislike likes it. Like, yeah. I think that's how I feel. Are we engaging? I, I almost feel like we're like misreading the question. I, I think like, I understand the question being like, oh no, we're being like trying to talk to someone about something. And it's like your Lady Gaga example, like engaging with it on two different levels. I think my response to that is almost like, it's kind of fun to be like, oh, you're setting the terms. This is the level we're engaging in. Great. Drag Race is a great example. Like when someone's just like, who do you think will win? I thought she was like, she was cunt, but she was not. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm so ready to have this conversation. Like <laughs> I, I certainly, I don't think either of us go into conversations about drag race being like, well, performance, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway. Yeah. Working on both levels is fun. Yeah. It's fun. And then you get to feel even more smart. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's okay. hit the next question. Hello, my favorites. Oh, you both are <laughs> friends with some people who have in recent years gotten pretty famous. I won't name names, but I think all longtime listeners will know the people I'm talking about. Basically, I'm wondering if either of you can speak to what it's like to have friends who make it in the industry. Is it weird? Does it change the dynamic of the relationship? How? Apologies, apologies if this question seems gross. It comes from a place of genuine curiosity. Anyway, absolutely love you both. Well... Sam, do you want to go first? I feel like just very uh, clearly, like Julio has been one of your best friends for many years. And he was like one of the first people we knew that, I mean, I, I met Julio after he already had, had quote unquote made it. So I, I don't, I didn't have this experience. Yeah, I can start. I feel like generally if it's like a, like a tier two or three friend, it makes it much harder, just mostly from the fact that they're busier. Mm -hmm. If it's like a tier one friend, it like doesn't change it that much. And I think I agree. they're generally grateful to have you around still because yeah. they're dealing with a lot of weirdos. I completely, the thing that I have realized is I almost defensively in a way text less because I'm like, oh, well, you're, you're texting with uh, wow. The first name that came to my mind was Adam Levine. I don't know why no one we know knows Adam Levine, but whatever. Anyway, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm like, Oh, you're especially like literally people in like the SNL universe, literally their job is to interact with two A-list celebrities every week. That's just like what the job is not to say nothing of the celebrities that are like, just like cast members of SNL, I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, sometimes I feel in, not insecure, but, but I feel like I don't want to seem like I'm suddenly more or less interested in someone because they're famous. And then when, what you realize is like, you hang out with these people that you used to hang out with. And I feel like almost that they are even more grateful to be with us because it is probably more enjoyable to be with their friends that they've known for a very long time than to constantly be meeting. I don't know. Celebrity. I don't know. That's, I, I, that's the sense I get. I've never, none of our close friends who have, gotten famous have ever treated me differently or treated me like or, or like ignored me or not text me back i that's i've never had that experience yeah if anything i agree it is like internal and more on my side where yeah. i'm like overthinking it and i'm like they're probably annoyed they're probably annoyed yes like, yeah, yeah, yeah and i also want to say something i've noticed 
is people that are younger than us that are that are hitting it big i actually find myself like gen like really happy for that i mean i'm basically thinking about rachel senate like when i see rachel senate like nominated for an award or something it genuinely makes me so happy yeah and like i almost i'm not even that much older than her but i was like i i sent her a text on her birthday that was like I'm so proud of you for all your successes or something. <laughs> and I was like, it just felt nice to be like, oh, I'm like, I, I literally knew you when you were like 21 years old. I don't know. Yeah. And I think like, it's tough when there's more, when you're younger and you feel more scarcity towards success. Yeah. And I think as you get a little older and you're like, oh, there's, there is room for everyone and it, everyone has their moment and it's like mm -hmm. different, different times and different jobs and blah, 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 blah you feel a little less scarcity and you also understand that like the only way to survive in this town is by <laughs> truly being happy for people. Oh, totally. Because and, if you're and, yeah. bothered, you're always going to be bothered. It also and it's just, just going like, to be bitter. It also, it literally goes around like the success potato goes around. It's like a hot potato that it's like it. Sometimes I will think like of someone that had like a moment in like 2018 and we all thought like, wow, that's the next big thing. And then you never heard from them again. And I'm not saying that in a rude <laughs> way, but it's just like, it is brutal. So like, yeah, I mean, listen, you can be in the print edition of Time Magazine one day <laughs> and be thrown off the cliff of public opinion the next one. <laughs> oh, honey, don't I know it? So yeah, that's, that's that. All right. Next cue. Next cue. Okay. This is from Carl. Mm. Um, they have two questions. Maybe how, let's do, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Which one, which one do you think? No, no, let's do both. Let's do both. Okay. How do I get my brain to shut the fuck up about wanting a relationship? I'm 25 and I am sure at this point it is just my inner child wanting attention. And that's manifesting as wanting a boyfriend. It's not that I don't want a boyfriend, but the insatiable urge is almost certainly going to end me up in a suffocating codependent relationship. So basically, how do I enjoy being single and hanging with friends? I'm kind of afraid of sex. What do you think I should do to get over it? I think a friends with benefit situation is perfect to build trust intimacy, but then I often end up developing feelings. Oh, brother. I have to say, um, this is this literally described like so much what I was like at this age. <laughs> um, I mean, with some slight differences, but I think when I was in my, tw I mean, I'm literally whatever I'm 30 right now. So it seems silly to be like when I was in my twenties, but, um, <laughs> I think when I was in my early twenties, let's say, especially like early, early twenties, I was overthinking both relationships and sex to a degree that then made it impossible to like actually look for either. And I, I would like, I would do this thing, which is insane now to think about where I would like go out in college, for instance, go out, like start hooking up with someone, like maybe make out with them on the dance floor or something. And then like panic and think of an excuse why I don't want to go home with them. And so I would just like, I would be like, oh, I, I feel suddenly I would decide like, oh, I had something for dinner and my breath smells like garlic or like, oh, I don't, I don't feel sexy today. I don't want anyone to see me naked. Like, and I would just like make up excuses and I truly could have had so much sex if I wanted to not to brag. And I literally did not like I had, I could count on like two hands, the number of people I had sex with in college. Like, it's just like, and it, and it was, and it was cause I was like, I, I, it was just like, whatever. It just stemmed from like a, a, a weird cocktail of, of insecurities. Yeah. I I'm trying to think of like actual advice. I mean, I'm sure not to be captain obvious, but I'm sure therapy would help, which is something I did not do until I was like, until a few years ago. But I think more to the point, like 
I promise you, no one is um, like if any of this stems from any kind of insecurity, no one is thinking about your flaws as much or your perceived flaws as much as you're thinking about them. Like if you think you have like some one thing that I don't know, either makes you unattractive or, or, or makes you like less likely to be in a relationship or something, no one else is noticing it. Yeah. I also feel like the specifics of like wanting a relationship, like at 25, I really related to that. And I think a part of it for me, I don't know if you have this, but it was like wanting to appear like my life was together because yeah. when you're 25, your life is not together. And so you're like, well, if I have a boyfriend, that'll look real, like that'll feel. Oh my God. Yes. Complete. A hundred percent. And so I think there's something about making peace with like the, the incompleteness of being in your mid twenties. Like yeah. you are just not going to have it together, nor should you like, mm -hmm. it's like good that you are still potential energy. And so like my advice, I feel like would be like to embrace the potential energy and like work on what you want and like find people along the way that are interested in you and what you're up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny. Cause on the other side of that, I did have a, a, a long-term relationship for most of my twenties and it was almost like this has nothing to do with my ex who I, who was who's a very nice person and i and this is not like personal but like there's something about being like oh good that's proof that i'm an adult where like mm -hmm. i had the opposite of your thing you wanted a relationship because it would make you seem like an adult and i was like i would almost be like forgiving of myself for dropping the ball on many other things and be like well this is proof like i'm living with a boyfriend this <laughs> means i'm an adult like yeah or you would kind of like cosplay as like a 40 something married couple and you know i remember just like being at like a party and kind of like holding hands or or treating him like i like i see my parents treat one another cuz it's like just like a sign of of adulthood yeah um, but yeah, to the point of, to, to the question specifically, how do I get my brain to shut the fuck up about wanting a relationship? First of all, you have to be a little easy on yourself because the pandemic has been very difficult on, on things like this. <laughs> um, but also, I, I, here's what I'll say. A lot of, there are a lot of things that one thinks are things you're supposed to get out of a boyfriend that you can actually get from any relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, I think oftentimes when I've been single, I found that like, I have certain kinds of vulnerabilities that I have nowhere to put. And it's like, you can have those kinds of intimacies with friends and with family. And, you know, there are many ways to have like a very, you know, emotionally complex life without at the time having being in a, in a relationship. Yeah. I should we address part two? Sure. I'm kind of sure, afraid sure. of sex. What do you think I should do to get over it? This is a this is a tough one because ultimately the answer in my mind because I I wouldn't say I was a, afraid is the wrong way. I, I I was like I mean again it's my joke classic joke about being horny but prude is like I wanted to have sex <laughs> so much but I kept thinking I would somehow humiliate myself or or somehow I would have sex with someone and then they'd be like and they'd like tell everyone that I I don't know. Your hole is busted. <laughs> I was like too hairy, you know, like literally <laughs> just things that like make no sense. And I guess the only, I mean, I do think the solution is like two pronged, which is like, one is like, it's not that big of a deal. And the, when you realize that you'll move on. And then also you just have to like find someone you feel safe with. And as soon as you do that, then you can work towards strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess it'd be helpful to know which element you're mm -hmm. afraid of. Because there's also like a, 
like if you're talking gay sex, which I assume you are, um, this is a gay podcast after all. Well, and, um, and the, and they say boyfriend, like the, yeah, there's a desire yeah. for a boyfriend. So I think it's like, if it's like literally, if it's, if it is the literal, like I'm afraid of like anal sex. Oh, interesting. That's which I, it, uh, it's not defined, but like, I think there is, that's a reasonable fear. Yeah. And it's like, you can get a little dildo and like practice like, totally. cause I, and I think everyone should. <laughs> and can I just say to. something about like the specific age of 25? I understand that there are many people that are like very promiscuous in their twenties and in their early twenties and whatever. I, something I've learned is like uh, those people aside, so many people are not having as much sex as you think they're having. And like yeah. this fear that everyone is, everyone is having a fulfilling sex life, but you that I think is common in your twenties when you haven't like learned what works for you and, and whatever else, like you just need to do your best to, to kind of push that aside because I just don't think that's the case. I think everyone is in their own way insecure about sex for some people that that translates to them actually having a lot of it. And then that makes you feel insecure because for you, the thing is like feeling a sense of like paralysis, let's say, but like, I don't think anyone is really fully, you know, knows exactly what they're doing and is fully confident sexually. Yeah. I don't know. I, I fully at that, agree. At that, at that time. Um, I don't think I, like, I, I don't know, whatever. I'm just like, when I think about like what I thought good sex was 10 years ago and what I now know to be good sex, I'm like, wow, it really was just kind of like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> yeah. I, my sexual tastes have changed a lot and gotten smarter. Yeah. I think I was really like doing what I thought TV told me to do. Totally. Okay. All right. Let's move on. I will read this one. Uh, this is from Josh question for your forthcoming earnestness bonanza and the never ending coming out process. That is my life. I feel I finally reached a place where I'm genuinely proud of who I am, but this sometimes manifests as anger or hostility towards straight people. Part of me thinks I will never fully age out of this. I worry that one of its main outcomes is to further isolate me from anyone who falls in that category, which includes like 90% of the people I truly love and care about. My question is, do either of you relate to this? And if so, how do you grapple with and mitigate the potentially negative consequences of this anger in your own lives? I just want to say this is so like well-written and thoughtful. I loved reading it. I yeah. felt like, I felt like I was being smart by saying it out loud. A hundred percent. It's like the perfect, <laughs> it has the perfect kind of like long sentences that avoid being run on sentences. Yeah. Can't relate, but respect those who do. Yeah. How do you have an answer to this? Um, I can, but I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it's kind of difficult. Like, I don't harbor any anger towards straight people. I do harbor anger towards straight situations. <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I, I really enjoy hanging out with straight people and I I'll, still, many of my close friends are straight people. I feel like, you know, generally I'm hanging out with 99% gay people, but like, if I can get around some straight people and like, <laughs> this sounds so insane, but literally get to choose the music or something like <laughs> I'm fixed. Like, yeah. Because like what bothers me is when it becomes like literally oppressive and it feels like I'm back in high school or something. Because yeah. like, uh, what was that? In like pandemic, not, I mean, last year pandemic, <laughs> I went on like a trip with all straight couples, mm -hmm. like for the most part. And it was like, part of me was like, this feels like a big step. Like I've kind of yeah. not done this in a long time and it was fun. And it was, there were parts where I was like, uh Oh, like this feels very straight. But then there were parts where I was like, you know what, whatever, like it's 
I think it's another thing about like age where I feel like the more time that passes, the more you can like be at peace with straight people and learn to enjoy the moments of Mm -hmm. straight, straight drag (laughs) that you find yourself in. I feel like there is a difference between the actual interpersonal relationships I have with straight people and like heterosexuality as a looming presence in the world. Like for instance, like if I'm, at a restaurant or bar or something, and I overhear a straight conversation, I, I still, I suddenly am, I, I have the same rage I had about heterosexuality that I did when I was like 19. It's just, it like comes roaring back. And it, and I'm, and it's not like, I don't even think it's necessarily anyone's fault. And it's not even like these conversations I'm talking about are like someone objectifying women or someone being racist. Like it, it's not that kind of thing. It's just like, a certain kind of like simple headedness <laughs> and the, and the words of someone who has literally never dealt with any kind of um, with anyone saying no to them in their life. And it, it, it just like, it suddenly makes me irrationally angry. And I, and I think like, I don't know, does that go away? Do I, do you want that to go away? I don't know. I'm like, okay <laughs> with that always being there. I don't feel the need to like, be like Zen and at peace with straight people that I overhear at a bar. I mean, but, but that aside, (laughs) I agree with you that like some of my most meaningful relationships and friendships are with straight people. I think we have the privilege of not having that be the default. So like if I'm friends with a straight person, it's because I genuinely, it's because I like them and I want to be friends with them. It's not just like, well, I, I, I'm in a community where there, you know, there's like five people I can hang out with and all of them are straight and oh, well, you know? Yeah. I also think, there's like something about like at least the straight people we hang out with acknowledge our gayness in mm-hmm. a way that is like not condescending and is like yes. it's like realistic or something like well I they think see the us as with... fully human <laughs> <laughs> yeah like for I instance think... no one who we know who's a straight person will say the term gay dude totally in places that aren't new york city it is kind of hard to find that sorry to be wow interesting coastal elitist like i feel like at least that's in my experience at this mm-hmm. point i guess i haven't been an adult in the midwest in a i was while. about to say I, I i feel like i have yeah i haven't so i i i wouldn't know i what i can say is like in my limited experience straight people in san francisco which you would think is like a liberal bastion of this great country are some of the most annoying people i've ever met in my entire life <laughs> so i don't i just like as an argument for it, it's not it's not that we're being like coastal elites it's like i think we have a little community in brooklyn that we like but like literally san francisco which is just as much of an elite city is worse <laughs> <laughs> so yeah give it some time that's how well, i feel. and and just like own your rage at straight. Yeah. Be a, be a little pissed off. It's okay. Yeah. It sucks. Straight culture sucks. Like that's yeah, the whole premise of this. They podcast. don't even like it. It makes They don't sad. even like it. It's sometimes yeah. you'll see a straight person, like consider an alternative for the first time in their life and have like an aha moment. And you're like, Oh wow. I did that <laughs> when I was 12. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> wow. I love, Oh, oh I did that when I was 12. <laughs> uh, okay. This is from Brie and they say, oh, they have a very fun email address, which I'm not going to read. Is it Brie or Bri? Oh, I don't. Oh, that's a very good point. It's B-R-I. So it could be Brie or it could be Bri. Okay. Um, First of all, you guys have saved my life during the pandemic. No pressure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The most amazing comedians on the planet. Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. Let's see. 
Oh, okay. This is for me. Please describe your vision for the corduroy suit. Envisioning better <laughs> post-Omicron days. What's the season? What's the city? What's the activity? In this new suit. And then the second one I love, what are your colors and or words of 2022? And then they say, I'm thinking sea foam for me, which I love. Let me answer the corduroy suit question quickly. And then I, I love the, the color and words. Okay. Um, here's what I'll say about the corduroy suit. I do think I'm still going to wear it. It's not the show-stopping piece that I thought it would be. <laughs> And that's okay. I mean, it's from J. Crew. What I really want is a is a corduroy suit that's like, okay, what are the what are the veins in corduroy called? Do you know what I mean? I would always I, call them cords. I okay, don't know. The cords. <laughs> I, I basically want a suit where the cords are like thick and shiny. Does, you know what I mean? I do know. Like what you that mean. it like that's what I was really craving. Is like a real and I wanted it to be like a slightly lighter brown. I just wanted it to be like the whole vibe of it to be like, I'm commenting on the idea of wasps at a country club. Right. Corduroy is it's tough. There's a lot yeah. of different variations. And this one's fine. And I, and I will wear it. In fact, I might, maybe I'll wear it uh, for, for new year's tonight. Maybe, I, I, I was, what I was envisioning for it very specifically was like basically being at like a fancy holiday party, having finger food and wearing it with like a little, like a cashmere turtleneck and having mm -hmm. like my corduroy suit, my turtleneck, and then, a, a you know, some black loafers. It's like the perfect effortless, uh, casual dressing up. I love it. I so, feel that fantasy. And you know what? I'll get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what are the colors and words of 2022? This is tough for me. Yeah. You know, I'm an observer. I'm not an inventor. I, I just filter <laughs> society as it happens to sure, me. Sure. Like words of 2022, it's, I have no idea. Like what were words of 2021? Like she ate, it's giving like, Oh, see, that's for me. I'm like, I went, I'm, it's like more literal. It's like, it's like vaccine. <laughs> parasocial. Para, yeah. Parasocial was a big one for 2021. I think like something like booster is like a word we didn't use before. And we now know when it's like part of the parlance. Okay. Here's my prediction. Okay. I actually think climate is going to be talked about more than it already is like the literal climate or like the social climate no the literal climate oh is it because i think of don't look up <laughs> i think it's i think honestly the discussion on don't look up is going to kick it off okay okay and then i think something about like how we were all very politically engaged after mm -hmm. trump like yeah. i think we are all like societally engaged from covid and i think it is like gonna bleed into other issues and i think like that's my prediction is like climate becoming more of a interesting like, uh, realistic conversation do you think it will be done in earnest or will it be more of like a virtue signaling like cl the that climate is a, is a new a hot new thing everyone's talking great about great follow-up i that's mm, and the hard part is i think it'll be the hot new thing that everyone's kind of talking about yeah here's my prediction yeah, this is imper imperfect as a word. It's like not that exciting. I'm, you know, I'm saying this in a value neutral way without taking a side. I think that the kind of like backlash against so-called cancel culture, which I like do not care about expressing an opinion on is like, I don't think we've realized how mainstream it is. Like, I think we think it's like this yeah. niche thing that like a few edgelord podcasters talk about. And in fact, it's literally something that like moms in the suburbs have opinions about. And I think like <laughs> there will be kind of a great uncanceling where various people, not like Harvey Weinstein, but like people that many potentially thought were like unfairly, uh, you know, branded as bad 
will kind of finally make their comeback that they couldn't make three years ago. And sort so of the diseases like, of the world. Yes. And I think this is a little clunky, but I'm like, maybe the word uncancel will be something that people talk about. Like I, I know Kathy Griffin, for instance, was recently on Jimmy Kimmel and she was talking about being uncanceled, which I celebrate. I, I wonder if something like that will be kind of in the ether. Interesting. I, that, I like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I don't like it. I think. Yeah. Everything... I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'm for Kathy Griffin being uncanceled for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even, this conversation. <laughs> Wait, no, I can't. And, and I have no interest in like weighing it, but I just think like that will be a, a part of the cultural conversation. Um, in terms of colors. Well, pink is out. You think so? I think pink is out. Okay. I'm going to go yellow. I'm going to say yellow. Wow. Okay. I'm into it. And I will say a bright yellow. A really bright yellow. I'm actually, I well, I'm showing this to you, but no one else can see. I have this bright yellow Bic lighter that just happens oh, to be on my desk. Exactly. It's like a bright yellow. I think that's the yellow that, that will be in. So yeah, yellow. That's going to be huge. Okay. Great. It's yellow. Just kidding. It's like a bright yellow. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So we already, that's a straight shooter. That's a straight shooter. Oh yeah. We're, we'll do a round of straight shooters at the end, but also shout out to this person because they have the same undergraduate degree that I do. Shout out to Miriam. Uh, right. Okay. So this is from Kaylee. longtime caller, first time listener, Ooh. not the parasocial on main disgusting order of words, but okay. <laughs> but your podcast quite literally made me less sad during a very sad time in my life. And I'm so glad you guys continue to make something that brings me and so many others joy each week. Wow. Thank you. That's very, very sweet. sweet. My question is to both of you. I identify as a person in my early 20s and I'm wow. still trying to culturally evolve. What piece of media, book, movie, album, podcast, et cetera, did you consume in your 20s, early 30s that forced your taste to evolve and you consider essential reading for those coming of age? I love okay. this question. I like, I, I need to actually think about it because I don't have an answer ready, but this is such a great question. Like the, I, just like the, the kind of hunger you have for, God, now I don't want to sound like, condescending but like the hunger you have for those kinds of things in your early 20s do you know what i mean no i do you're I like teach me like i want to know i want to get to the next level yeah i'm trying to think because part of the point is like i feel like you're like gatekeeping yourself <laughs> in a way yeah. where you're like thinking you're not there yet and it's like you totally. are there yet you need to like look inward and like follow what you like like no, uh, of course but i also think Here's what I'll say. The older you get, the more you get set in your ways. So I actually do think it's important as much as I, I agree with you that like you should trust your gut. It's also important to like step outside your comfort zone because it's like you're going to be able to do that less and less as you get older. So like you have to like go broad rather than deep when you're in your early 20s. So you can like taste a little bit of everything and then gravitate towards out of all of those things, gravitate towards what you want. Like there are certain things that I just never gave a chance to like honestly, a lot of genre stuff. Like I never, I really never explored sci-fi. I never explored fantasy. I, to this day, I've never read, I've never read a genre, but I've seen like movies, but I've never, I've never read like Lord of the Rings. I've never read sci-fi, you know, like neuromancer, you know, like just like things that like, <laughs> sure, I've never sure. read any of that. I've never read any Ursula K. Le like, and it is more difficult now in my thirties to like, just to get into something I, I wasn't into before. So like my general piece of advice, which is not really the answer to the question is like, is literally just like, try to step outside your comfort zone and pick up things that you are not immediately gravitating towards. Yeah. Do you have a thing that you consumed um, in your twenties hmm. that like inspired you in a way that was yeah. transcendent? I, <laughs> oh, I actually think 
I might have one. Okay. What is it? And and it's very specific to like my journey. And this mm. was like mid to late twenties even. But when I watched Madonna's truth or dare documentary, Ooh, I feel one. like it puts so much into perspective for me about like culture that I had no understanding of before. Fascinating. Yeah. It like showed how radical she was. It showed mm -hmm. like, Oh, the, the roots of all the pop that we know. Like I was just like, Oh my God, of course. Yeah. And I, it like really set me on a train of like thinking about pop stars differently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, while it's not like necessarily collegiate in its <laughs> like discussion, I think I, I really like it at least influenced my late twenties to today yeah, uh, in a huge way. Oh, you know, I have a couple, I have a couple just kind of off the top of my head. A lot of mine are like very cliche in terms of like what a gay teen would gravitate towards. But like, I think getting into Bjork was huge for me. Like just like getting over the fear of this, like this is different and I don't get it and like embracing it. <laughs> so frankly, like at that time, getting into Radiohead was also like a really big deal for me. Like it was just wow. like, like all those things that are now so cliche, you know, like music nerd thing, which I don't even know that much about music, but like, I think it was like, you know, it, 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 it like it opened doors to other things that I still listen to to this day and, and, and whatever. But Bjork specifically was like, was huge. Fiona Apple as well. Uh, and then, a movie, I might have talked about this before, but a movie that in my even late teens, but also early 20s loved was Adaptation. Mm. Um, have you ever seen Adaptation? I have not. Oh, you, it's like, it's so good. I should, but I've always meant to. Yeah, it's like, and maybe now if I were to rewatch it, I would somehow find it, I don't know, tired or whatever, you know, like it's been 20 years, but like I, there was something about um, the kind of, experimental stuff it's doing and what, what it's like trying to say about narrative and also like seeing someone like Meryl Streep, who is so kind of mainstream and you think of as like doing these, uh, I don't know, just she's like the actress that has like always been there. Seeing her do something so like weird and daring is very cool. And it also, it, it's like one of the first, uh, I guess in the broadest sense, like experimental movies I'd seen. And then it like made me interested in things that were like more niche and things that were, you know, that maybe were not like nominated for Oscars and things like that. So that was a big one. Yeah. I also, I also really liked all Modavar movies when I was that age and they have a certain kind of um, fun to them that I really appreciated because I always thought that like serious culture was meant to be challenging and um, like, <laughs> and almost boring and it was like your job to like get over that hump and force yourself to find meaning in it and what i appreciated about a lot of our movies was that it was like they were almost made with this like childlike attention to color and like can be performances and while still being serious so I, yeah yeah I, yeah I love that and yeah. I, yeah on that note also and i read this this was more like right after college maybe and i don't know if it's like required reading these days it's not like original as a thought but like in a similar tone catch 22 when i read Ooh. that i was like wait this is funny like yeah. you're allowed to make books that are like meaningful and really funny like i'm all in mm -hmm. to find that like and this is personal again but like to find that like humor does not negate the like meaning of something totally in fact it can help it uh i think we should move yeah forward. let's do it this is from cecile okay not to be a bitch but i've been asking myself a lot of questions lately one of the most incredible opening lines of any email <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
feel free to answer them in any capacity you like. Okay. Number one, am I asexual or just depressed? Number two, my father who I live with seems to be unable to communicate. Should I do something about that? Or is he just a himbo and I should leave him alone? And number three, <laughs> straight culture gab fest. Um, I love you so much. And I earnestly believe this podcast to be one of the most interesting things in popular media. Again, not to be a bitch, but it has been instrumental in me surviving this last year. Um, well, this is very sweet and, and, and we thank you very much. And oh, and pronouns she, her. Okay. I, that was a follow-up email. So, okay. So yeah. Cecile said, okay. So number one, am I asexual or just depressed? I just, <laughs> obviously asexuality is a valid <laughs> sexual orientation asexuality is valid depression isn't if you're depressed you're actually just undiagnosed yeah, yeah let's fucking hope you're asexual because otherwise you're flopping you're you're flopping majorly majorly biatch no um, i think um i think unfortunately we can't answer that for you. no we're not answering that for you we're not answering it but i also think that uh asking a question like that means you are doing some deep work on figuring out who you are, which is beautiful, which is, uh, which, which we love. And I think like you will figure it out sooner than you think. I think for question number two, I think some of the best dads in the world are unable to communicate. I think yeah. he is a himbo. You have to accept that his skills lie elsewhere mm -hmm. and um, not expect much from him because yes. he is a man that cannot communicate and it's not your job and to that's change okay. this man. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I've, I love my dad, but it's just like, you kind of start to learn, like dads can only communicate so much. Yeah. And they're... I actually think it was like a huge, huge moment of um, evolution for me when I realized that. <laughs> yeah. It's gigantic. Um, and the third question being straight culture gab fest. Um, I actually have a question for you about this. Have you been listening to the slate culture gab fest recently? Uh, on and off. Okay. Cause I've been actually recommitting to it in a pretty big way <laughs> oh are you loving i am well so they brought you know julia is back from maternity leave mm, so it okay. has been for the first time in like almost a year it's been the og3 and oh, they've wow. been recently doing some fun topics and their call-in show which they did this week literally made me tear up <laughs> whoa because someone like someone there was a very sweet call where someone called about their mom, I think, or I think it was mom had passed away this year and she was a big listener of the podcast. So they like kind of asked a question in her honor and it was like very, very sweet. That's insanely sweet. That is crazy to me. I, I think it's very funny that we both listen to it. And I, part of me has always wanted to literally do an episode on this like culture gap as, as a topic. If, okay. Wait, if you could have one of them on as a guest, who would it be? That's tough because <sighs> I mean, obviously my instinct is to say Stephen Metcalf because it's I, literally Stephen. Think, I literally think I've modeled, I, I swear to God, I've modeled like how I speak after him. <laughs> I also think Stephen would be like funnier to have on because mm -hmm. he's like, he is both extremely self-aware and unself-aware. Mm -hmm. And so he would be very like, I think he would be like inadvertently funny. It's just so, it really, I, I think in a weird way, the fact that we both listened to it is is kind of like, so emblematic of the spirit of the pod and our <laughs> French. Like it is so something that no one would think both you or I for various reasons would ever gravitate towards. And like, yeah. if you were to explain to me what it is, I'd be like, that sounds awful. Like it is like, <laughs> it sounds like, wait, wait, don't tell me. It sounds like NPR boomer vibes. And in yeah. some ways it is. 
but yeah. like we've grown up with them we love them i'm sorry we love them, but we love them. okay next cue right. okay this is from john uh actual fun. earnest question what are y'all's quote unquote guilty pleasures in terms of tv movies music books etc things that aren't good per se but bring you a lot of joy and comfort for example my partner has gotten me into american dad and i find some of the most recent episodes really enjoyable you want to start i also want to say john attached a photo of his dog and the dog is adorable cutie patootie um okay um <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure it comes as no surprise for us to say that we don't believe in the concept of guilty pleasures at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, you know what, though? It is an interesting exercise to be like, despite our insistence that every, you know, that like we can engage with anything on whatever level we want, blah, blah. There are certain things that you, that you, I'm sure both of us do still feel somewhat guilty about. I'm trying to think like <laughs> what those might be. Um, like I'll say, I'll say something. I occasionally will literally watch friends. That's rough. Like that's t- like, that. that's not something I'm like ready to like defend, but sometimes I mean, it hits the spot. Okay. Here, this is a guilty, not it's something. I know I've talked about liking Taylor Swift's song mean mm-hmm. before, Yeah, but I like am tearing up to mean like oh recently and I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a dark feeling to be moved like that's where i get guilty when something yeah. is supposed to be light and like stupid and i'm like crying to it yeah and that is like a sign of that's something <laughs> that's that's a good yeah i'm trying to think i mean again in a different world everyone knows my affinity for the movie wild which i mean in the weird coincidence tragically after we talked about it on the patreon um jean Marc valley passed away um, so rest in peace. But I, that's like the kind of movie that you would think would be a guilty pleasure. But I shouted from the rooftops. I love wild. <laughs> um, but I do have actually a very weirdly specific guilty pleasure of a song, which is the Bleacher song. Uh, oh, my God. Sorry. I'm lo- I, I forget what it's called. It's like, don't stop the money. I've never heard this. Wait, song. wait, hold on. It's called don't take the money. Mm, okay. okay. I ha- I'm telling you, this song is a bop. <laughs> and like now, I think maybe now we all like Jack Antonoff. You know, there's kind of an acceptance. But like when that yeah. came out, Bleachers was very lame. It was like not cool to be like 26 and listening to Bleachers. And for yeah. some reason, that song really got me. So my answers are Friends and the Bleacher song, Don't Take the Money. Yeah, mine is Taylor Swift's Mean and the Chicks' Wide Open Spaces. Ooh. Oh, but that's not a guilty pleasure. I mean, I was at the, I was at my uncle's farm for Christmas and I was like going for runs in the field, literally listening to wide open spaces. And I was like, damn, I, even though that's about moving to like a city, but right. I was like doing the opposite <laughs> where I was like, no, I'm, I'm taking this really literally. Like I need a wide open space in the very literal sense. Um, um, okay. Wait, this one is from my best friend from college, Adam. Whoa. Um, if he's listening, I just want to, I literally promised him and his wonderful partner, Carl merch that I have in my apartment and I keep forgetting to send. It is humiliating. <laughs> and I, I forgot for so long that I then I thought I had sent it and found it in my apartment. And then I was like, okay, I'll send it as a Christmas gift and then forgot to send it again. So this is my promise that literally, I swear to God, it is December 31st. Whenever the post office opens January 2nd, I promise I will send the two t-shirts to Adam and Carl. Wow. And Adam's question is, would you ever consider having ads or sponsors for your podcast? Why or why not? 
our podcasters who have sponsors bad people? Well, I want to start first yes. with the last question. A hard yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyone who anyone who participates in capitalism, something you and I have never that has never been in our reality. No, We've never, never experienced it. it. Yeah. We've been asked multiple times. Yeah. Everything's sort of just been traded is kind of how Tra- I live yes. my life. I, right. I, I mean, even, uh, even entertainment jobs we've had, we said, <laughs> let's not do money. It's a nightmare <laughs> for a rep for a representation because they have to get a 10% cut of, you know, watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we have considered having ads or sponsors on our podcast. It's like, this is the most boring stuff, but it's like just kind of complicated and you have to have like a person that does it. And then it's like, we like until recently have been self editing. So then we'd have to like put it in and it's like all this stuff. And it's kind of like, we're just going to do a Patreon for now. And then like, if we start working with a network at some point and they can figure it out, then Mm -hmm. that's, then we'll do it. Or if it's extremely easy to do, then we'll do it. But right now we're a little overwhelmed already with doing this podcast on the Patreon and et cetera. So that's kind of how I feel. The Patreon has been, it's, I think we're taking it one step at a time. There's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of chapters. We were like trying to sell it. Then we were trying to do something, some other stuff to, to, to monetize. And it's like, I'm really enjoying the fact that people are signing up for the Patreon. I'm enjoying that we are now making a little bit of money every month. We're making enough money to hire our uh, wonderful editor, Adam. And it's like, well, whenever the next step, like we're, we're like, I think we're kind of like breathing for the first time in a while and like enjoying the fact that there's some infrastructure in place. Yeah. But we're certainly not against ads. Although I have to say like between you and me, it does change the experience of a podcast. It does kind of change the experience, but it's like a necessary, well, no, I know. I mean, it's, I'm not saying I'm like, you know, morally against it, but it, it is, it isn't like a non, uh, a non-issue. I think the worst part is that it like, shows you the falseness in people's tones. Like it shows when, when your podcaster is like reading the ad copy and sort of like doing their normal cadence, it's like, Oh, is this a game to you? You can just turn it on whenever you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next cue. This is from Jack. One thing I've noticed as a trend of Stradio Lab is the tension between you two about how much structure the podcast ought to have. What off-air discussions do you have about this, if any? And what informs each of your perspectives on how much structure you think the podcast should have? Hmm. Interesting. I love that question. It's tough because neither of us are hardline in either direction. No. I think, in one, and sometimes... I want more structure and George wants less. And other times I want less and George wants more. It's just like, like with many things in our, in this venture and also in our friendship, it's like, it feels so nice when it, sometimes it just flows so well. And I think what we both actually want is not more or less structure. We just want it to be the best it can be. And like, we know what that looks like because we have done it in the past. Like there are just episodes that we both really love and we're like, this is exactly what we want the podcast to be. If only we could replicate this with every episode, which of course, not only is not possible, but also it actually is like each episode is its own special thing. And and some people prefer the more structured ones or less structured ones. So I don't think, I, I don't think there's a recipe for it, but I think we know what it feels like for it to feel like you're like literally like gliding on, you know, water or something like just like the effortlessness (laughs) of it. And that's what we're constantly in search of. I think. Yeah. I feel like if any, it was like maybe at the beginning you wanted more structure and I was like, no, let's just feel it out. Mm -hmm. And then the late and more recently I've been like, 
like you've been like we're just feeling it out and i'm like hey, 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 hey let's rein it in which is like kind of a funny yeah i think but, we're yeah i, I actually think but we generally uh, meet in the middle and we meet in the middle yeah and i think yeah. that actually is the case with a lot of things where we switch out for instance like talking about ads like which one of us is more business minded like i think that switches day to day like sometimes mm-hmm. i'll be more like whatever let's it's just like our fun project and then sometimes i'll be like we really need to get focused and make money <laughs> yeah all right okay all right. this one this one's just very quickly uh, just very quickly is from ramon and it's about the matrix and i just started because i wanted to say Ramon, that that will be our next Patreon movie club movie. <laughs> so yeah. if you're interested in our take on The Matrix, which we are both... Did you rewatch the trilogy before watching the new one? No. no okay, I'm, I'm in the process of rewatching the trilogy. I have the last one left, and then I'm going to watch the new one, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, perf. But yeah, this email is titled, Is the Matrix Straight Culture? Which we will get into. I mean, short answer, no. <laughs> but we'll get into it on the Patreon. <laughs> Oh, wait, I, this is my favorite question. Oh, this, it's you. Can you just ask the, the part that's like, my question is directed at George. <laughs> okay. This is from Mora. Uh, they say, my question is directed at George. George, don't you think that Sam's explanation for his childhood sounds deeply fake? Do you think his dad was actually undercover FBI or something? This man was uprooting his entire family every few years because some Midwestern Dillards needed a new HR guy. The glamour girls are seeking truth and we are not buying this. I just want wow. to say, Maura, that is so as, a, as a glamour girl who is constantly seeking truth, I, I also have had questions about this. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like just at a Dillard's. It was like more in the corporate space. Mm-hmm. Like it would be like the Dillard's factory needs a HR guy, like, or something. I guess my question is I've never heard of someone moving for <laughs> HR, no matter how corporate it is. Like the idea that you were moving every few years. I think he was like... <laughs> Did he enjoy moving around? I think he was sort of like... Uh, like a climber. Like, I think he was like trying to play the corporate game a little bit. Okay. And like, so he would move, he would like work at a job for a year and like start looking for a better job and then would like find a better job. But then he got like too big and then he got fired because like Mm -hmm. he like, and so then he had to find, and so it was like a lot of like going up and then going down and sort of scrambling. I see, I see, I see. I, I actually relate to that with, with my parents as well. Um, and I guess then it makes sense that if you're living in like smaller towns, you know, big fish in a small pond, if you want a different job, it makes sense that you go somewhere exactly. else. Okay. Because each town had like one corporation. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Okay. I believe it. <laughs> it's official. I believe Sam's backstory. Wow. Okay. This is me. So this is from Quagmire and they say... Oh, okay. I, I actually want to read this, even though it's, I want to address this, even though mean. it's um, controversial. Quagmire says, will you pledge to never have a RuPaul's Drag Race queen as a guest on your show? I don't want this podcast to jump the shark. Um, this is fascinating to me. I'm confused by this question. I, I need more. Quagmire, I wish I could call you and be I like, know. what is your take on Drag Race in general? Because well, I, I understand think it would be so where, fun to have a Drag Race. I agree, but you understand where they're coming from. Like, there is something about, and I hate it because, like, the queens from Drag Race are actually often more, well, not often, always, like, literally more talented than any comedians we know, like, <laughs> more talented, more hardworking, and also, like, have fewer opportunities almost. Like, yeah, it's in literally a very weird way. Like, our friends are more likely to become super 
rich and famous than any RuPaul's Drag Race queen because it's just like, I mean, except for like one, you know, like there's going to be one that will be Bianca Del Rio or whatever. Like, so I, I think it's difficult because on the one hand, you know, what I just said is true, but on the other hand, there's this like saturation of Drag Race content. So it almost seems hacked to participate in it or something. Mm. And I think that's where this question is coming from. But okay. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I I will not pledge that we will never have a Drag Race queen on. <laughs> I would sorry. never pledge that. And if anything, I think like what I like about our podcast uh, is I feel like we could recontextualize them in a fun way. That's what I would want. Yes, I, I would want the last thing I would want is to like interview a queen about like, when did you start doing drag? Was it hard to grow up gay? Like, obviously we're not going to do that, but like, I'm sorry, but to have like Katya on and have like, have her talk about like, you know, diarrhea as a straight topic, like that would Would be, it would be so funny and so fun. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I just think like a lot of those girls are truly some of the funniest people. Yeah any of them or not any of them, but like most of them, if you were to see them live at a bar, you'd be like, that's the best drag show I've ever seen. Well, not most of them, many of them, many of them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, but I, but I also appreciate, I appreciate this question. I don't want to make it seem like I'm poo pooing it. I just, maybe we're a little more optimistic and we're like, yeah, yeah. we come off as cynical, but actually we have a deep optimism. All right. Okay. This is from Spencer. In the Stradia Lab spirit of categorizing things as other things, I often find myself thinking of guests as either George's or Sam's. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> Similarly, when you encounter glamour girls in the wild, do you find that they fall into the Sam, George or Sam binary? Do you know what I mean? Sorry, no follow ups. Okay, <laughs> queen shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I thought this was funny. <laughs> I think this is a funny question. I think we think on a more like, um, like if our spectrum, I feel like is like normie to freakazoid, like totally. who's going to exactly, like play yeah. the game. Like who's going to like make it absurd and meta versus who's going to talk honestly about it. And yeah. both I have found are very enjoyable. And that also is like the binary. We put the glamour girls in where it's like, we have glamour girls who like, when we actually discuss something and like actually get into it. Mm-hmm. And then we have glamour girls that like when Jeremy and Rajat are on and like are the most confusing, like, <laughs> like that, conversations yeah. in the world. Yeah. It, that was God. I love that episode. I'm sorry. I, that no, really one of my, my all time favorites. Um, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. That's, that's like the, we talk about that a lot. Like, w- like even when we're planning guests, like in terms of like diversity to misuse that word, like we're literally like, <laughs> oh, we've had like this many people in a row that are more like straightforward guests. And now it's time for like a weird one. It's time for like a Max Wittert episode where he literally, where we literally do like an extended bit about someone going to the bathroom and the other two people being mad at him or whatever. Which also was inspired by actually going to the bathroom. That's right. It's rooted in truth, just like all good comedy. <laughs> uh, let's hit the next cue. Okay. So this one, I didn't star, but then Matthew was like, you should star that one. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a good question. It's not okay. like inherently earnest, but I think it's good. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. And and sorry, I said I didn't start this. I whatever. The f- question is, do you sell foot pictures? <laughs> um, and I didn't. It's not that I didn't start because I thought it was a bad question. I I just I wasn't in the right headspace. I was thinking more literally, and I was. And of course, this is a funny question. I don't. It's a funny question. Yeah. Do you sell foot pics? <laughs> not not currently. Yeah, me neither. Uh, in general, I'm like I like if there's any pic I would sell, it would 
easily be foot picks. Like, honey, yeah. I'm giving them out for free. Like, right. if someone would just pay me a hundred dollars for a foot pick, like, you are gonna get so many requests. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Is that weird? It's no, I it's not weird. I'm just saying you're gonna get flooded with requests. <laughs> I feel the same way about foot picks. Okay, this can I be gross for one second? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel the same way about foot picks. I feel about like peeing on someone where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I don't care. Like it's, I have feet. I'm not ashamed of my feet. Like I, I'll pee right. on someone. If it, oh like, my God. There's happy. no shame. Yeah. I, I think shame is the wrong. No, there's no shame. I just like, it's more like a logistical. I'm like, if I open the foot, <laughs> not to say that people are lining up for my feet, Nick, but like, <laughs> no. it is another business venture that I'm not ready for. <laughs> yeah. If it became annoying, no, I would not do it. Um, I don't, I just to clarify, I don't find it in any way, like in any way, like bad or, or you know, like, uh, weird or, or anything, but, um, I've never given it much thought. I've never given it much thought. We're open to it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me just say, I, at this stage, I am not doing it. Let's at this check stage, back I am not check doing back it. in next earnestness bonanza and we'll see where we're at with the Patreon <laughs> <laughs> right now that yeah. my answer is no. Oh my God. Wait, George, what? the hundred dollar tier should be, you get a foot pick from each of us. Okay. I mean, I'm open to it. <laughs> that would be very idea. funny if that was a hundred tier. Also shout out to our first hundred dollar tier subscriber. Oh yeah. That was, I so think nice. their name is Kate or Katie. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so Good much. We, we will think of, um, we'll do another episode where we properly shout you out. This is, I'm not even on the Patreon homepage right now. Okay. Next cue. Next question. This is from Daisy. Looking back on 2021, what was your glum and glow of the year? Sometimes called rose and thorn. Mm. And what is one thing you are looking forward to next year, AKA your bud? I mean, you know, I love a classic kind of icebreaker question. I actually adore questions like this. Yeah. Um, George, you go first. Um, Okay. So glum and glow, like low point and high point. Yeah. Um, Okay. So high point. I mean, my high points have been like, I've been very happy in my, you know, relationship. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I, we, I don't know. I I, I don't want to, you know, I started dating um, Matthew in December of 2019, like just a few months before the pandemic. And that we went through like a very difficult early part of the pandemic together because there were family members that got very sick. And, you know, it, it was a very like, non-traditional first year of a relationship because the world was ending. And I, I'm very like, you know, just very extremely grateful and, 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 and feel very lucky that we've managed to not only make it, but like grow and, 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 and like, I don't know, like persevere through, through like a very (laughs) strange two years. Like, I just, I, I feel very, I feel very grateful for him. And I am like, I feel very, very lucky to have him in my life. So that was, that was one. And then the other, it's just, it's very cliche. I mean, I, I feel the other two are just that I feel very proud of the podcast. And I also feel um, very grateful for my job at Gawker because it's something that I, I really like, you know, if you had told me when I was in my twenties that I would be working at, for the Gawker reboot, I would, I would think it was like my dream job or something. So it, it just, yeah. it feels very, feels very surreal even, even still. So I think it's interesting because so often the things you are most grateful for are not the ones you expected to be. Like if you had asked me like, what was my career goal two years ago? It wouldn't, it wouldn't 
be exactly what my like professional life looks like now. And yet the things I'm doing now are so much more fulfilling than, I mean, sorry to, you know, like writing for like insert show here that I thought was like my dream job. I'm, I'm serious. Like, no, you, you know, know, you're right. I yeah. was just, I was wincing at like, uh Oh, is he going to like yeah. name names? No, um, no. Oh wait, should I say what my, bud? Oh, sorry. Um, I also didn't say the glum. I only said glow. So that's my glow. Oh, sorry. Glum. I would say was, Ooh, um, God, I don't, <laughs> do you have an answer? I do, unfortunately. Okay, you should go, and then I'll, I'll I'll circle back. Okay, so my rose or glow, I think, was also like career stuff. I felt like this year for me, I like finally got some some jobs that like I yeah. feel like I've been like close. I've like been <laughs> I've been kind of a broke ass bitch for a long time, mm-hmm. and like it was one of those things where it was a lot of my friends being like, "Oh, you're so close," and it's I like. Know. And it was like, yeah, I know. Like, and I was like always taking it in stride and just like continuing. And then this year it was like a lot of things broke all at once. And it's like finally a little bit of like, I can like breathe for a moment, um, which has been very affirming and very nice and has honestly given me a different perspective of myself. It's shown me how big of like a chip I had on my shoulder even, which is kind of dark. Um, And I think my glum, if I'm being honest, honest was my jealousy uh relationship jealousy which we've talked about a little on the pod and again Mm -hmm. but i like yeah this summer i really got into like genuine jealousy and in a way that was like very new and very like like and you mean just to clear i know you said relationship but just to clarify for the listeners like literally like romantic jealousy not like romantic Yeah. yeah romantic jealousy and the way that was like like nothing that anyone did wrong. It was just like, if anything, like some lack of communication, but it was like, it's very all encompassing. And it was like, like kind of surprising how strongly it came on. And I think it was like coming out of like our houses for the first time and like seeking validation from other people and like either like not feeling like I'm getting enough validation or like Mm -hmm. feeling like something from the home is missing now that, and it was just like all these things. And I kind of went like, I got really jealous this summer and it's something I'm still like kind of having to check in with and like, I'm much better at it now, but it's like, phew, like yeah. I find myself still being like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, so that was a weird one. Um, sorry to be unsexy to everyone no. out there. Uh, and then what is one thing you're looking forward to next year? AKA I mean, your bud, my bud life is extremely unpredictable. Um, Don't I know it? The one thing I do well, (laughs) actually, maybe this won't happen. There are, I don't know if you know this business, but things fall apart even when people say they're happening, they're happening, they're happening. But one thing that I wrote like entirely on my own will, in theory, be coming to fruition this year and coming out next summer. If that, uh, unless something goes horribly wrong, which is possible, so maybe I will listen to this and be bummed out. but I'm going to put it out into the ether. Yeah. And that is something I am genuinely looking forward to is seeing that thing next year. Well, I love that. Um, I am looking forward to that as well. My, I thought of a glum. Okay. I guess I thought, I guess it's kind of p- part of the same thing. Are we being careerists? Maybe. Uh, I mean, no, it's fine. It's fine. Who cares? I, my glum <laughs> in, and my 
and my butt, I think are similar, which is that my glum and I, I'm trying to like be kind to myself about this, but something that kind of fell by the wayside was stand up that for me this year. And like, even after things opened back up, I just like was not doing it as I was doing it less than I've ever have since I started basically. Like I was, you know, there was, there were, there would be like a few weeks in a row where I would do it a couple of times a week. Then I would fully stop for like a month. Then I would like, I remember when I had my solo show, I like had not been on stage in multiple weeks and then got on stage to do a headlining set. Like it, it, I was just, there were too many other things happening. I was not writing new jokes and really felt shitty about doing like three-year-old material. Um, and you know, I don't think it was, I don't think there was much I could have done differently, but it did feel bad to not be doing the one thing I basically like doing the most by far. And so I would say my bud is just like recommitting to that in 2022. And I think I would, I want to do a, you know, I want to have like, you know, in a, within the year, have like a new hour of material and do a solo show and feel good about it and feel like it's fresh material and not do any repeat material and just like fully commit to having a, a new hour, which I think is like, you know, exciting and, and possible. And, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. I love that. I, we're a little careerist, but that's okay. This is a podcast about our careers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is a podcast about our careers. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, okay. This is Yava's and yeah. Uh, what are your sun, moon, and risings? At George, it may be that you have a Capricorn moon. My moon isn't Capricorn. It's hard for us to express our emotions the right way. Mm. So sometimes it sounds like we are mocking people because we speak in a monotone voice. Yes. Um, my sun is in Cancer. My moon is in Gemini. And my oh, rising is Capricorn. Um, Does that make okay. sense? I, I, I am not the right person to ask. I wish we had David Odyssey on. Okay. I am Cancer, sun, uh, Virgo rising and Sagittarius moon. Interesting. And so there we go. I, I, I don't think either of us knows what any of those mean. Okay. Great. Okay, great. All right. This is from Christopher. He says, I'll be quick. I'm realizing that I value platonic friendships with other gay men so much more than sexual relationships. But here's the deal. I pretty much only ever meet other gay guys through the hookup apps. Mm. Mm. Now, I know that it's theoretically possible to make lasting platonic friendships through the apps. But what I'm asking is, have either of you ever actually witnessed this happen? Am I going about this all wrong? I can't be the only gay man out there who finds himself craving meaningful conversations with another human being more than sex. Or who knows? Maybe I'm just a dumb bitch. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. You know, like... Misha has kind of slightly used the apps to make friends. Mm -hmm. Like none of them are very close friends, but like, cause there's often times where he's like, like I have to go do a show or something. And he's like, well, I do just want to go get like a drink with a gay guy and like not really hook up, but like sort of talk, <laughs> like socialize. Yeah. Like, and maybe they're with friends and we can like sort of, cause I don't want to like travel to park slope from Bushwick to like, so maybe there's just like neighborhood gays that I can just like hang out with. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Just literally using it as like a neighborhood app. Like he's had some success, but nothing super lasting. But I feel like when we, especially when we first moved to Bushwick, it was kind of helpful. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking of one gay guy in particular who has since moved. So we don't really hang out with him anymore, but he was like our down the street neighbor. And we would like hit him up on Sunday afternoons to go get a drink. And it was like fun and yeah. we wouldn't hook up. And then we'd come home and like, that was that. I must say, I, I haven't used hookup apps in years. That sounds so nice to just have. I mean, unfortunately, I must say I'm like so, I don't know if neurotic is the right word, but I'm so like worried about 
miscommunication that I'd be so scared to use a, a hookup app to make friends. Like I would feel like either the person would be, would think I'm weird or would be mad at me for tease for being a tease or, you know, uh, or whatever. Um, but there is like a hole in the market for just a hole in the market. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I really do think like, I would love to know, like within a five block radius, like what gay guys are here and whether we can, you know, uh, and, and I would love to get a drink with someone platonically, but I kind of think my own, uh, you know, weirdness aside, why not just shoot your shot? Like, just be like, Hey, want to, you know, just like ask someone if they want to get a drink platonically. And the worst that can happen is still better than being rejected romantically. <laughs> yeah, I will say like, and also you don't, I don't think you need to feel like a dumb bitch. I'm sure you are a dumb bitch You're in not. many different ways. Yeah, but as, like, as we all are. But I think this way is like, it is rare to like make friends through the apps. And I do think a lot of gay men uh, like make friends via hooking up. Like I think they'll hook up and then like they'll stop hooking up, but they'll mm -hmm. still like be friendly. Totally. And like that is a possibility, but I do think a lot of gay men are looking for sex on those things more so than friendship. It's, I don't know. There is something about reaching that state of Nirvana where you're just like, this is gay culture. Like nothing is, <laughs> nothing is clear and it's okay. And like, yes, I can hook up with someone who's my friend for of six years and then we can still be friends. And it, it's like a different rule book. And I, I feel like I, the older, I think it's a lifelong process. And the older I get, the more just kind of like comfortable and liberated I am within those. I mean, I'm sorry to say, I don't think anyone has ever fully, it, there's always a, kind of an excitement to, to gay life because you could have sex with someone at any point. <laughs> and I also think it goes without saying that like adult friendships in general are kind of off the rails. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Like to make friends, not through your job or through another friend even is like, how the hell, like, what do you have in common? I know. And it's like, so I, I think there's no like moral way to make friends as a, like, if you're past the, like past college, essentially. There's no moral way to make friends. <laughs> like I do think like, cause I'm talking mostly about like, kind of about like my, my straight, for example. Totally. Uh, he is now like my friend and we hang out and it's normal. Uh, <laughs> and like, I don't think I'm going to hook up with him. Um, when people are like, how'd you guys meet? And it's like, well, it's not a good way. Like, <laughs> like I yeah. thought he was trying to hook up. Like, uh, so it's like, yeah, it's weird to explain, but it's like it, any, any way you can do it is, is a good way. Making totally. friends that is. I agree. I agree. And you know what? I, it's just human connection is difficult, <laughs> but rewarding, but rewarding and literally worth it. So good luck out there, Christopher. Um, wait, I want to address this next one, even though I, it's unstarred. Um, this is from Craighead Nation. And Craighead Nation says, hey, if we're being earnest here, our request for the new year is that Olivia Craighead of Gawker and Iconography fame be a guest. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Wow. And my response to this is literally, there's nothing I would like more. I love Olivia. I think she's brilliant. I have made the kind of, executive decision to not have anyone I work with on the podcast, which I think, I don't know, I think is like a good, a good policy. I feel conflicted about it because all of them would be so funny, but I just like, even if I, let's say I have every single person I work with on the podcast, but like what order would I have them in? Would they think they're <laughs> I'm, I'm picking favorite, like 
it, it actually really sucks because genuinely all of them are so funny and 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 would be great guests. But that that is why Olivia has not been on. It is not because I don't want her on. It is because I am, in fact, tortured by how much I want her on. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. I promise you that when I am unceremoniously fired from Gawker <laughs> because I like accidentally post a foot pick, <laughs> I will immediately have Olivia on. All right, love it. Next cue. This is from Scott. I somewhat recently broke up with a guy who is a curator at an Ivy League institution, one where I believe George went. He's coy, but we can figure it out. <laughs> and I'm about to start curating a different collection at a different Ivy League institution. Oh I live God. near a cum dump in Boston. And when I, what? And when I breed him, I always think of my ex. I guess my question is, does this make me more of a Samantha or Charlotte? Isn't that the like, most incredible paragraph you've ever read? I, I honestly need to reread it I recently i reese okay i'm i'm gonna do this no you you try to answer this while i reread to myself well i just want to make this is like comedic perfection because it starts out and you think that it's going to be about advice because he's like i somewhat recently broke up with a guy who was a cure you know there's like it's a classic kind of like dear prudy question and you're like you think it's going to be like you know i still am hung up on him what do i do about that and then it immediately turns into, I live near a cum dump in Boston. And when I breed him, I always think of my ex. I guess my question is, does this make me more Samantha or Charlotte? Sam, I, I think it. your issue was that you didn't, um, you didn't interpret the phrase cum dump in the correct way. Is that correct? I thought cum dump was a space. Yeah. And it's no, a it's person. a person. Yeah. Sorry. Basically, this person is saying they live near a person who is a cum dump in Boston. And when they breed him, they think of their ex. Okay. And, and yet again, the final switch up, and this is why this is so genius <laughs> here, you still expect them to say, what do I do about that? And, and, and there's one final comedic switcheroo, <laughs> which is that the question is, does this make me more Samantha or Charlotte? I have an answer to this question. If I wonder you have if an answer? You, you go first. I wonder if we'll agree. I think this is absolutely Samantha. I think this is a Samantha plot line, like 100%. almost literally. Yeah. I think like it's Samantha always trying to not have feelings exactly. and like fuck her way through the pain, but then like still unfortunately finding feelings. So yeah. I think it's hardcore Samantha. It's classic Samantha. And I, I just want to say, Scott, this question has brought me so much joy, genuinely. And I would like to give my best to the cum dump and I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Who is a person, not a location, not a location. <laughs> uh, okay. Next one. You take it away. This is from Jack. Could you give some more recaps thoughts on, and just like that would love to hear more takes and analysis of recent apps. I thought this was fun. We might as well. Yeah, might as well. Cause this, does it come out on Thursdays? The show it comes out on Thursdays. So I'm one behind. I didn't watch the one that came out yesterday. Oh, Sam. Oh. It's a really good one. I think we should maybe skip this and just promise that we'll discuss it like next time. Yeah. I mean, we're recording literally next week because so. I don't want to once again, miss like the, the, cause here's what I'll say the latest episode. And I'm saying this live because this is going to come out before the next one, but like the episode where spoiler spoiler and Sam, this is not a big spoiler. Carrie gets hip surgery is like, is so it's good. It's like classic sex in the city. And it really solidifies for me that this reboot is going to go the distance. I'm I think it's, in. I think it's great. There is a part of me that I, and I hate this part of me, but there's a part of me that is, I would say even there's some like unexamined sexism or I, part of me was truly like, 
Wow, we've lived long enough to see Carrie become a widow who gets hip surgery. How <laughs> depressing. <laughs> but the thing is, wow. that is why it's so good. It's like it's leaning, it's leaning into exactly that. Like it is literally iconic that Carrie is a widow who gets hip surgery. I love it. I and that episode uh, I noticed was written by Samantha Irby. Very uh, you know, just a, an all-around fave, and we would be honored if she if she would do the pop. Okay. Okay, Sam, take it away. <laughs> I, I started this one just because I thought this was a funny question. Ashley asks, how do you both feel about interrupting? George? And I just want to say about that, that I guess how I feel. <laughs> well, I think what I want to say is that, like, I think it's really important. Well, before you do, I your... just, I, I wanted to just point out one thing because I. I was kind <laughs> no, of we'll get to your point. I just think that, like, if you actually think about And before it... you do that, I, <laughs> there is one thing that I was kind of thinking of. Um, about this but question. actually, what do you think, though? <laughs> i don't know i'm i i mean you know I, it, basically it depends on the context like if the if the wrong person interrupts me at the wrong time i will be furious i fully agree i think when my mood is like teetering and i get interrupted it's over i'm like yeah i'm out totally i'm fully out and i think it's very hard doing a podcast on zoom Agreed. to to talk about interrupting because we're all trying to be very sensitive to it, but we're also all trying to like have a conversation over a device and it's kind yeah. of complicated. I also think like, again, context, like sometimes I interrupt during the pod and then I'm like, Oh fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Like that sounds like I'm stepping on someone's toes. And then other times I interrupt because I'm like, this is a correct creative decision. It's actually funnier if I interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I stand by that. Okay. Right. I actually love that question. Next question. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ashley. Okay. Okay. And this is from, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I started this, but we have to. And this is from ha my ben. question. Have we, are, we haven't already done this, have we? The thing is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll make it quick. We'll make it quick. Ben says, dear top two glamour girls in the world, which one of the titular girls of HBO's girls do each one of you identify with? i sorry, but this is a great question. Also, which ultimately right-wing cultural figure from today do you think will, a la Joan Didion, receive a mostly positive write-up from the liberal intelligentsia when they die? Love the pod, hate all the other pods. So I just need to say something so annoying real quick. I'm, and I'm sorry. Please. My, I just want to say something about Joan Didion. I agree that she was right wing in her early days i i actually have been um reading her writing from the bush years and i actually think she's a rare case of someone who got more progressive as they got older which i really respect because the normal thing is for someone to like get reactionary when they get older like mm -hmm. and so i, I get whatever i don't want to be overly serious but i i actually um i really highly recommend like uh, reading things from like after 2000 that she wrote like there's this piece in the new york review of books that's uh, I can't remember what it's called, but like, you'll find it. It's written in like 2003 or something. That's like about, it's like about post nine 11 culture basically. And I was like really shocked at how progressive and like specific in its cultural critiques it was. So that's my slightly annoying response I, to the, I did not the, know that she was, uh, well, she started out as like a California Republican. And I feel like you can kind of read her work throughout the years as like, evolving from like grappling with that and evolving from that in a way it's so and i you know but i i genuinely like i always think it's so interesting when people get less conservative as they get older i think it's like one of the i think it's actually a sign of how sharp of an intellect she was in that 
she never stopped questioning things basically anyway do you think there's anyone in our current life who is like somewhat republican who will be yes uh literally all republicans (laughs) (laughs) don't you think i mean that's like how it's like liberal oh sorry wait no if your question was who will become progressive that that's not what i mean i meant like no no the literal question of like who will be eulogized in the new york times i mean they literally do it for like literally like the worst senators and like yeah. people sarah that have, like, palin voted. will get a glowing 100 like, sarah palin's obit will be like literally like firebrand feminist yeah. of While controversial she was yeah. groundbreaking and yeah, yeah it's gonna be no, fucking I, toxic the, the what you need to learn about the liberal intelligentsia is that they're actually not that liberal yeah and also they're not that intelligent <laughs> okay um which um, okay. girls girl are you uh okay so i might you... be a shosh yeah i think well you know what i i see that for you and you know what else about shosh i see with you is like her final act as like becoming a career girl <laughs> i feel like you're in that arc of shosh's narrative don't you think it's possible as for me, I mean, not to be main character syndrome, but I have a hope that I'm, or, or not even a hope because she's actually kind of a detestable character. But I, I do feel like I am a Hannah in the sense that I'm kind of delusional and sometimes think I'm brilliant and sometimes truly think I'm like useless. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I think much like Hannah, I am inconsistent in my creative successes and failures there are like ups and downs kind of you're also like on the like you kind of ride the wave in a way that's kind of interesting like you like see where life takes you in a way that Mm. i think is interesting interesting huh well great i'll take that as a compliment even though i'm of course thinking of ways it could be (laughs) (laughs) no uh let's hit the next cue Uh, This is from Elizabeth. Not really a question, but I've been marathoning the pod and I noticed at least once an episode, Sam questions if the episode is good slash listenable. And I wanted to know it's always good. Thank you. Well, Well, thank you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that into account. Yeah. We're not going to stop. (laughs) How do you deal with a job that is so awful and draining and has no work-life balance, but pays very, very well? This is like a very good question. I mean, can a girl have it all? I'm not so sure. It really is. I've never been in this situation. But I mean, obviously the funny answer is like, honey, give me, you know, like (laughs) suck it up. You're getting the the money or whatever. But like, I do actually think like when you're in that situation, it does sound like an impossible bind. I think, (laughs) I don't know what this, you think you should quit. I think you should quit. I think like money and workload don't need to go hand in hand. You can have a job that is like, low workload and a lot of money. If you just keep looking like the amount of money in a job is completely random in my experience. Like, so it's more like keep searching for like the right work-life balance because it's not reasonable to like give up your life. Mm-hmm. I do money. wish I knew more about the specific job and career. Cause I'm like, if you're a doctor, if you're a surgeon, like, right, yeah, you're going to be know. working a lot. Sure. Yeah. It's different. Um, but if you work in like advertising, then totally. like move on. I listen, this might not be the case for, I, I just, I think as I've gotten older, I've actually gotten more likely to take risks, which is kind of the opposite of most people. I feel like I actually didn't have a super like adventurous twenties where I was just like couch surfing and didn't know what I was doing. Like I was making very <laughs> conservative decisions. And now I'm like, 
I've kind of seen enough times that when you take a slight risk, it's actually very likely to pay off. And if it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And so I'm like, I do think that like, if I have a job and it's not working out, I can see myself being okay with like leaving it and, and trying something else. Like, especially, sorry, but if you're the type of person who does have a high paying job, that means there's a certain level of privilege where like you actually probably will land on your feet in some way. And it'll be like a slightly better, you'll land on your feet in like a slightly better situation. And it's a, it's a process. And maybe it's like the third job from now that will be your dream job or, or, the, yeah. or the one you want. And it's also like the most obvious stuff in the world of like, once you reach a certain amount of money, money doesn't make you any happier. So having a very, very high paying job won't like help. Like yeah, you need balance. Yeah. I actually am now like so completely on your, uh, I'm so completely agreeing with your initial assessment. Like at first I was going to say some, try to, try to make, try to make it more complex than it is. But it's, I really do think that like we have one life and you can't like, it is, it, <laughs> it's true. It, it really, it's like to not have a work life balance is like literally wasted. Like it is to spend all your day doing something you don't want to do with your one life is suffocating. Like you'll feel so much better when you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Next cue. Okay. There is a very, very sweet intro to this, Um, but we are already 40 minutes over. So I'm going to skip it, but just know Bella that we, that we really appreciate it. So this is from Bella. Here's a question that I would love to hear you answer earnestly. What is your sliding doors moment? Oh, this is perfect because I have an answer. Um, for the dum-dums unfamiliar with the uh, 1998 Gwyneth Paltrow movie, essentially it's asking you to consider the seemingly inconsequential everyday moments that make or break the most important relationships, decisions, events in our lives. As in, what if that one little thing had happened differently? So the question is, what is your sliding doors moment? I actually have mine. So- Say yours, because I'm not super familiar with the this 1998. Oh, so, movie, so, in so. The, so basically it's like Gwyneth Paltrow starts out, from what I remember, she's going to the subway. So the sliding doors refer to the subway doors. And there's one version of events where she misses her train and one version, version where she doesn't. And what ends up happening basically is like in the version where she misses her train, she ends up going back to her apartment and finds her boyfriend cheating on her. And then in the other one, she goes to work and doesn't know he's cheating on her. And so then the movie splits its time between the two versions that could have happened and they each lead to different lives. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like, what is that moment that if the decision had gone differently, your entire life would be different? Okay. Let me hear yours. And I think it'll help. This is, this is the most useless brag. So please forgive it. But when I was applying for colleges, I got into this program in biomedical engineering at Johns Hopkins university. That's like a, um, I was very in high school. I was very into biology and I also like was more into STEM than into like writing and stuff. Um, and so I did this like specific application that was for this specific program. Like it it wasn't just to get into the school it was to get into the specific program. And that program, like pretty much if you started, like that is kind of what you're committing your life to. And I actually very seriously considered it at the time because I was just like, I don't know. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was very drawn to the prestige of it. And I, you know, I, I had spent some time in Baltimore and I really liked the city. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is such a nice way to not have to make any decisions because they've been made for me. And I do sometimes think like, I I truly did consider it very seriously. I'd be like, what if I had literally become a biomedical engineer? (laughs) 
Like that would have been my life. I, I don't think I would have. I, the thing is, I don't think, I think the reason I was able to like leave behind the, the other things I did academically was because none of them were really leading to any incredible opportunities anyway. So it was like a pretty easy choice. I, I've never had like a highly paid job. Like even my tech job was a contractor position. And then I worked in academia where I made like less money than, than people that work in, in corporate, in the corporate world. So it was never like a difficult decision to like leave that behind to, to slum it as an artist. Whereas I do think if I was, if I had literally spent my college year studying biomedical engineering, I probably would have like then thought the natural thing was to go to like grad school for it. Maybe I would have become a doctor. Like, so that, that's like a pretty big one for me, I think. That's pretty big. That's huge. Actually. I love that. I mean, I love imagining the movie where you're a biomedical engineer. It's making me laugh. It's very, um, I think if I have anything, mine's a little more subtle. And I think it's when I did not get on like a UCB house team, Hmm. I, when I moved to New York, like everything else, I was pretty like, this is my choice. Like I was striving in ways that I like, and the the thing I wanted was the thing I did. And like, so I took my path and this was the first time where I was like being told no. And I was like, wait, this is what I, but this is my plan. This is what I want. And then it was very, um, but like not getting on one, like filled me with like motivation and and anger to be honest. And like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like do it on my own. Yeah. And then I like started stand up, and that's when I met all my friends. And that's when like, that's when life actually started in like comedy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think if I had gotten onto a UCB team, my life would be entirely different right now and not better just because that era of UCB was like the beginning of the end. So I would have been like tied to a sinking ship and it would not be chill. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to offend anyone in UCB teams, but unfortunately they ruin lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it really was like, and you like lower your, I don't know. We don't need to get into all of that again, but it's like, they really like find a way to lower your self-worth to feel like you need them. And so it was like, I was so glad to, branch out of that. And I needed to be rejected to, to not be in that world. Cause I would have like fully <laughs> drank the Kool-Aid as yeah. you say. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. What a um, world. Okay. This, maybe we should just skip this. It's I, I just was like, Oh, this is funny. Cause it's unhinged, but we're like, yeah. I mean, it's very funny. Let's just, shout out should... to Brandon for sending the unhinged uh, email. We love it. And I'm sorry, we can't respond to it because we're trying to keep this shorter than normal. Wait, should we actually say that? <laughs> I kind of like that actually. Okay. I, and and we're not being, we actually love this, this email <laughs> about your toxic friend who is a Swifty and a vegan that also <laughs> includes screenshots of Instagram DMs and Instagram posts and yeah. And, and genuinely like we will talk about it off mic, but <laughs> I also love that the, ans- that the subject line is all too Wellington parentheses, <laughs> vegan Swifty version. I mean, it's really all of good. it. And, and like, I'm not, I just want you to know we're not skipping it because we don't like it. We're skipping it because <laughs> you won't be able to tell this because this has been heavily edited, but we've been at this for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't have it in us, but we will keep it in mind and potentially mention it on a, on a future episode. Okay. Oh, this is fun. Okay. So is it my turn to read? Uh, yes. I okay. So, so this is from Angelina 
And Angelina says, to steal a phrase from a fellow pod, who was the comedian that made you say comedy was for me? Oh, I love this. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a second part. And or as the pioneers who make a podcast about podcasting, do you listen to any podcasts besides Slate Culture Gab Fest? <laughs> Wherever you pop up as guests on other pods I listen to, I do feel validated that they must in fact be good. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you. I have a maybe a hybrid answer okay. of like, I remember listening to like, and this is not that far in the past, but like Chelsea Peretti's podcast yeah, was, was so huge. funny and like, really spoke to me in how like because i was like in new york at this point when this was coming out and like kind of starting my comedy journey and it was like listening to that i was like oh see you can be like a little bit shitty and a little bit kind and like do it your way and like it can all work out and so i was like really when i was already in new york doing comedy inspired by that podcast and being like okay i gotta like set my sights on what I want and not what I feel like I'm supposed to want. And she's just so funny. I love, I love her Brady. so she's much. She's so funny. She's so funny. And, and um, I mean, her Netflix special is still to me, one of the all time, one of the greats. <laughs> per the the title. greats. <laughs> yeah. We love Chelsea Pretty. That special probably came out when I was starting out maybe. And it was like one of the ones that was most of, of that like generation that was most influential to me. I mean, if we're talking about people that are, Again, like slightly, you know, like a micro generation ahead of us, not even Mm -hmm. micro generation. It's just like a few years, but just have been doing comedy longer. I mean, of course, our friend Naomi Perrigan is, Mm. um, I think, huge for both of us. People that are like literally a different, like people that I watched when I was like a kid. I mean, I loved Joan Rivers. I loved Sarah Silverman. I loved loved Wanda Sykes. I loved Margaret Cho. I mean... I mean, was, all the SNL girls really all spoke the to SNL, me. I mean, honestly, all of us, like SNL was like, S- yeah. if we're being completely honest, that's like the reason I got into comedy. So oh, and not just basic SNL. Person on Earth. Yeah. But also for me, maybe I actually think you're probably more of a sketch person. I'm more of a weekend update person. But like when I used to watch weekend update with like Tina and Amy or Amy or, or like, who is it before? Or, or even Jimmy. like Jimmy and T- Jimmy and Tina actually was like, they had when a great, a kid. they had a great chem. I was like, oh my God, you're like, you're doing punchlines about current events. That's, it's like the funniest possible thing I can imagine. <laughs> also, and I know we're not like this rigid, but like that dynamic somewhat is similar to what we do. I'm realizing like their whole thing was like, I'm the serious one. I'm the dumb one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Tina would be like, this guy is such a dumb bitch. And oh my God. <laughs> and like, and like, I kind of, it's, there's something there. Okay. I mean, I don't, well, okay. We don't do it that rigidly. I know, I know, I know. I mean, I think it's like empowering if you call yourself that, but I just wanted on record that I do not agree. <laughs> um, anyway, but but yes, SNL was big, all those women. I mean, it was just like, not to be cliche, but like seeing women do stand up as a young gay kid is essentially the most beautiful possible experience <laughs> one can have. I cannot help but agree. It's just like, shockingly influential like to see margaret cho do some joke about i don't know like bush i was like (laughs) this is the best thing i can ever imagine um well that and to see mike myers play both austin powers and dr evil i said wow drag is for me yes (laughs) (laughs) oh and zoolander oh oh yeah i mean those movies those movies were huge there's so much 
Um, yeah. Unfortunately, um, when you love comedy, you can't just narrow it down to one because you just eat it all up. Eat it all up. Um, okay. And then in terms of podcasting, oh. um, I mean, I have to say my answers are not that interesting. I kind of, I mean, no, mine are bad. They're yeah, they're bad. So let's let's shout out to Who Weekly past guest Lindsay Weber. I listen every week. Shout out to this hat Oscar Buzz, my other my, my favorite. Shout out to podcast. every Jamie Loftus podcast. You we are love and a legend. Yes, an absolute legend, an absolute legend, and every podcast of everyone that has ever been on our show. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, we have a we have a question from um, Sav that. Oh wait, did I, I think miss it? Th- they say no. I oh. didn't start it because they say it's not really a question, but I just want to say shout out to Sav. Sav is our listener who works at that coffee coffee shop I frequent, and I say hi oh. to them when I go there. So just wanted to shout out. That's um, nice. And then we have this one from Olivia. This first question is literally one of the funniest things I've ever read. Okay, Olivia's questions are: If you had to unironically and earnestly fight in any war, which one would you fight in? You can't die. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much to this. Can you be traumatized? I mean, if we're talking about literal war, I, I'm I'm gonna have to go with World War II because it is the most um, kind of ethically straightforward one. As yeah. far as wars go, I fully, okay. I would rather be agree. fighting Nazis. Yeah, I, I would love to look back at my war and be like, "Yeah, I was in the good war. Yes, the one that was it's for a good reason." Great. And that's kind of my answer to that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I also would say the streaming wars. Oh, I mean, we're soldiers right now, and we're soldiers right now. And this uh, question kind of erases that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you identify as more man or muppet? <laughs> what percentage breakdown? Um, I'm 50, 50. Um, here's something about me. I think this is just because my parents are foreign. Literally never seen a second of the Muppets. Really? Not none of the movies, none of the series. I know, I know them from pop culture. Like, you know, I know who some of them are, but I, I, I know nothing. Like I, I've never seen a second of the Muppets. Well, you should watch Muppets Christmas Carol next I year. Will. You'll I really will. have a blast. Um, what's, uh, what's your theme song? It's kind of a boring answer. We just like, uh, commissioned it before we started the pod. Um, and what, and the, oh, sorry, you should, uh, you're reading. Oh, and what would you name your boat? I actually don't have a good answer for this. Do you? Okay. Yes. Mine would be, uh, Hannah Horbath. <laughs> Genius. And mine would be Shoshboat. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, I think that's all. Oh my God, that's all. Wait, we need to do straight shooters. Oh, and yes. Okay, so a lot of you sent straight shooters. And so we're just going to read all of them. So yes, we're not acknowledging who gets credit. We're not acknowledging who wrote who. They are public domain now. But just feel joy that the world has experienced your art. So let's just go off, um, you know, let's just switch off okay okay uh should i start sure okay a straight white man not acknowledging the existence of the glass ceiling or a gay insta thought not acknowledging your existence on grinder <laughs> okay mary j blige wait do you want to pick oh i pick you're right sorry i pick um a gay insta thought not acknowledging your existence on grinder okay great okay mary j blige Mary Kay Letourneau, Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon, or Bloody Mary by Lady Gaga. Wait, do you know who Mary Kay Letourneau is? No. Okay. Um, 
it's actually I googled and it's like an extremely dark um, story that involves like the murder of a child. <laughs> um, oh. So I'm gonna go ahead and not pick her. <laughs> I would, you know what? I'm gonna go just. I'm gonna go Bloody Mary by Lady Gaga. <laughs> Classic. Um, owning the libs to make them cry, or owning the night like the Fourth of July. I mean, that's genius. Incredible. I'm gonna say owning the libs to make them cry. Perfect. Okay, and this is another Katy Perry themed one. Baby, you're a firework, or my baby got fired from her work. I mean, a hundred percent, my baby got fired from her work. <laughs> I can hear that sentence, and it's like slightly off, but it's also right. It's actually uh, crazy to read these. They're so on on brand. Like these are perfect. <laughs> They're better than ours. Okay, explaining NFTs to a stranger at a bar, or explaining your undergraduate degree to a stranger at a bar. I'm gonna go explaining your undergraduate degree to a stranger at a bar. Oh my God, this next one's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joanne Trattoria or antibiotic resistance gonorrhea? Mm. <laughs> I tried and, to know, change the- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that would help, but it's gonorrhea if you guys couldn't right. quite understand my, my <laughs> Italian accent. <laughs> I've actually been uh, diagnosed with a severe case of Trattoria. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say that for real? It's the Joanne variant. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it uh, now? I don't know. Now, now you're making me sick. I would have said trattoria, but but it, I think maybe you're right. I have no idea. I'm so bad at I, I'm so bad at specifically Italian. I get mixed up with. Um, and but I am gonna have to say Joanne. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, going off alarm, boring alarm, or Joan Didion alarm. Uh, rest in power. I'm gonna say Joan Didion for rest in power. We do love. Like the Joan Didion alarm was one of the better things we've said, I think. <laughs> just I, you just saying ring the Joan Didion alarm. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. Sam and George or George and Sam? Okay. I'm going to say George and Sam, not because I'm first, but because that makes you the headliner. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know how to spin anything, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Team. I like this one a lot. Hotline bling or the girl from the ring? <laughs> I'm going to go Girl from the Ring. Yeah, I think that's correct. Okay, Panic Attacks, Panic at the Disco, or Disco Inferno? I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to actually say Panic at the Disco. Wow. One of the okay. all-time band names, in my opinion. I mean, it really made a splash. It was, like, purposefully, like, annoying in a way yes. that I think really <laughs> threw people off. I'm sorry, to have Panic at the Disco first and then to put an exclamation point after Panic... It's too it's much. It's fucking demented. <laughs> uh, All right. You um, know what? That's uh, that's our show. That's the Ernestus Bonanza. I guess um, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And we love you. And we, we hope you, you had a fun New Year's. And 2022, here we come. Here we come. 20, you know what? I, I'm going to just say, I think 2022 is, I genuinely think it's going to be a good year. Should we um, just really quickly make some predictions? Um, oh God! Here's like in like maybe in like a shout out way. Okay, like okay. very short. Okay, go. Okay, this year, twenty twenty two. 
I see the world and wars will end Whoa. hunger found dead. I think people will be listening to music in the streets and mm. um, we will come together and stop global warming. I see it because we did such a good job with COVID and it is over now. And so that is so powerful. And I can't wait to see what we do next. We are human and we are stronger together. Hillary 2024. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just want to say my prediction here, here's a very optimistic prediction that I've made every year for the past five years. We are looking at what I call get ready a return to substance. <laughs> this year is going to be the year we leave behind advertising language, the uh, veneer of respectability. We leave behind uh, bullshit and um, fakery and finally have some real conversations about where we want this world to go. And I, for one, am really looking forward to it. I'm and looking forward uh, to it you know what? Ring the Joan Didion alarm. Ring, Ring the, the Joan Didion alarm. Hootie who glamour girls. And uh, you know, I was kidding about the Hillary thing. You guys, I hope you picked up on that. Woo. <laughs> Woo. All right. <laughs> Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.